Ladies and gentlemen, absolutely fantastic show today. We talk about some of the pain that NFT market participants are experiencing right now and the isolated wins that we're seeing in the market. We also talk about free-to-own gaming uh, like Digidaigaku, like Animura Mystery Bowls, like Castaway, and all of the different gaming assets that exist in the NFT market right now. The show is sponsored by Artie, which is a gaming platform, and it's awesome to learn about them. The winner of the giveaway is is also absolutely hilarious. So if you listen to the whole thing and listen uh, to the person that wins the giveaway at the end, it's super, super funny. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday, October 19th, and you have tuned into the NFT Morning Show. We run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, each and every week, where we discuss all things NFT market. We talk about what projects are working, what projects are hurting, what's going up, what's going to zero, and all of the stories of the NFT space. I'm P.O. here with my co-host, Nifty Nick, the funniest man in the business. He had a tell-all last night that he put on a one-man show, if you will. There's some really juicy info in there. If you didn't catch it, I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it if you listen to it. Uh, Signal, one of the most sophisticated NFT analysts in the space, the author of the Nifty Daily Digest, an absolutely fantastic writer in general. Kicks, we've got the new daddy number two. Congratulations on the second baby king kicks. Good to have you back, buddy. Can't wait for your sophisticated NFT analysis. Easy Eats Bodega, the Solana celebrity, a rising star on the Solana side and the creator of Bodega Buddies, the host of Solana Made Easy, the daily Solana NFT and market analysis show that runs Monday through Thursday. Dadeep, one of the newest members of the team here at the Nifty, the uh, author of the Nifty Portal Twitter account and the Bodega Buddies Twitter account. Love to deep, but most importantly, the host of Rolling Into Deep, the smash hit Twitter Spaces show, Spencer of Spencer Ventures, running an institutional grade NFT fund. According to Spencer, you should fumble your JPEGs to him. That seems to be his tagline. Uh, and Bell NFTs, the host of the IYKYK, the If You Know You Know show, uh, along with NFT Girl, and uh, makes frequent appearances on this show as well as some of the content that's being put out by NFT Now, a very prolific NFT content creator. Today's show is sponsored by Artie. Uh, Artie specializes in appless mobile games and community-owned entertainment. This is the second time that we've had the pleasure of having the show sponsored by Artie. We're absolutely thrilled to have them back. Very excited to dive into the NFT collection later on in the show. Wait till you hear the list of investors. Wait till you hear what Artie has going on. It's going to be an absolute jam. So before we get into it, I just have to check it, uh, check out and see how Nifty Nick is doing. Nick, how are you? Hold on, sorry, my mic was not uh, plugged in there. <laughs> we got kicks back with the was soundboard, that... baby. Wow, that was mm-hmm. good. That sounded real. That was my own voice. I'm on my iPhone, PO. Mm. I forgot that kicks. You got, got an, an iPhone. iPhone. That's incredible. You connect it to your roadcaster. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Now you just got to connect it so you have the juicy sounds like this microphone, which is just high quality. Uh, I'm feeling. I'm or how am I doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, did the show last night. I'm still, uh, I'm one week in and I'm like, all right, 
when, when are we going to wrap up here? feel like this has been good enough. Uh, check the box and uh, let, ready to move on. You got to drink water and uh, you got to drink water and get in that sauna, man. You just got to like sweat out all the water in your body and then replace it over and over again and eat some good food. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely uh, an, an approach. Uh, one thing that I can add there, I don't own a sauna, so that's something I'm going to have to purchase. Um, so I'm still waiting on buying that sauna, throwing that in my apartment. You have a membership to the about same, that, though. You have a membership be, uh, to the same gym as me. Really excited about that. Um, no, I mean, it's good. I can put it into the, uh, just in the hallway is probably where I'll end up putting that one. So yeah, really excited about that. Uh, th- and sorry, am I putting that on the company tab so that, uh, because my health is of utmost importance to this business? I mean, at this point, you can put the gym membership on the company tab if you want. Uh, I'm just waiting to see you in the sauna over there. I feel like our sauna chats were productive before, and this one's even hotter than that last one, and it doesn't break every 10 minutes. So this is a, a better one, in my opinion. Hope to see you in there, buddy. All righty. Uh, okay. We got Nifty Nick. Hey, th- get this guy off stage. He's a little too chatty, ladies and gentlemen. K- Kicks, how you feeling? Welcome back, buddy. Missed you over the past few days. Been stuck with just Nick. Uh, watching him, you know, t- catch awkward passes and throw the ball out of bounds. Kicks, <laughs> how's it going? It's going great, man. Uh, missed everybody, uh, for sure. I tried to listen into the show when I could. Um, but uh, yeah, really happy to be back. I mean, even though you're just using the iPhone and not the Rodecaster, there's already like better general volume control levels. I'm excited to have you with some fresh gear. And, uh, you know, it's just great to have you back, man. We've missed you when it comes to your analysis. We've launched a new show since the last time. I heard. I I heard. It's called called, uh, Screw, Screw That Guy Kicks. It's the name of the show. That's the name of the show. Have you trademarked that yet, buddy? Um, (laughs) No. Well, no, uh, but we we put just TM next to it, so apparently that's sufficient for uh, protecting your trademark. I, I I don't know how you figure this stuff out, man. Uh, I don't know anybody that's able to mess with their audio in ways, even with gear like controlled gear, that we're all using the same thing. You find ways to make the audio go up and down. It's actually very very impressive. I think that we should probably just ship you over to Bose so that they can just. Uh, give you their products and have you figure out how to make the product he, not work. He, he's going to take the microphone. He's going to turn it in reverse and just speak to the back of the microphone. Uh, it, despite the fact that we'll go over, we'll set it up and then that's, he's going to take it and just use it improperly. It's, Maybe my uh, hands just get in the way or something. There you go. You're back. I, I don't know how you do it, man. It's impressive. So we got easy bodega on stage. Easy. What's going on in, uh, in your world? Things are going well. I made some ETH purchases yesterday, moved some money over to MetaMask because I'm boycotting Solana in the interim, uh, at least for another 24 hours. It seems like there was a late space last night with Metaplex, who is actively working with projects to figure out the royalty situation. Uh, vibes seem to be back. There was a few Cardano spaces last night that overtook some Solana spaces. A lot of fun, a lot of, uh, lot of moving parts, but uh, I think we might have some situations coming to the forefront here where royalties are resolved. And shit, the NBA tipped off last night. Big Celtics win, big Warriors win. My two-team money line parlay hit. Life is good. 
Well, yeah, we might actually be covering some of that NFT, I mean, uh, NBA stuff uh, as a part of a new little something that's going to get rolled out. So that'll be interesting. Wait, so I did see some people tweeting about this. Easy, are Cardano NFTs having a little moment right now? There was a $65,000 USD sale on a Cardano NFT yesterday. So pretty big deal, I guess. Uh, seems like yesterday they're all, they were all pumping. That was the only sale on Cardano yesterday as well. So it was pretty Nick, exciting. Nick, don't make the jokes. They show up in full force, <laughs> like 150 of these damn things. They berate you. They attack you. Granted, their token's down 25% this month and 70% year over year. But they will let you know that it's not going to zero in mass. Who, who is they? The Cardano Moon Boys? Uh, no, it's these like... And- and These bit- like knockoff board ape things. I don't really know what they are. Um, I don't actually know the name, and I'm gonna get attacked. I was like tr- kind of trolling yesterday, saying that I spent 65k on it, and they were all congratulating me till they saw my very next tweet saying I would never do that, and that Cardano's going to zero. <laughs> uh, it's it's Bit Bitboy uh, crypto fans who are the who are the ones that are tracking it. I was trying to see like volume of Cardano, and it's not actually on any site for so for tracking. stock twits actually released an nft marketplace that not marketplace but an nft like tracker that shows by blockchain and by volume really yeah i didn't know about this till yesterday either in which the cardano team members of uh the ape society is the project were very aggressively letting me know that they're outshining solana right now <laughs> so Stock twits, do, do you have a... Uh, I'll I'm grab cur- the link. I'll find the link for you. But yeah, it's a bunch of people have been telling me that that's, stock twits has been kind of diving into the NFT space a little bit. And the person behind the stock twits Twitter account is actually pretty involved in NFTs. And they're pushing Cardano stuff forward. Well, they're pushing everything. So they just kind of do analytics on the whole market. And could the Cardano individuals were the ones pushing that, uh, that messaging. But stock twits is more a broader market. Okay, I just followed StockTwits. We'll see if I get exposure or see some of this Cardano stuff. So help me understand, Easy, because you do pay attention to other markets. Um, you're always on top of it. Like, do you think that there's any potential for real juice on the Cardano side? Like, you were early to Solana mm. in late 2021. There could be. I, I, right now, I would absolutely not be buying because listening to them speak in a space last night, it was like peak euphoria. It reminded me of Solana in November of last year when everyone was just making money hand over fist. And it's, so like right now I would be selling if I was holding or bag holding like NFTs right now from Cardano because they haven't had this kind of massive pump. But yesterday I think like seven, eight or nine out of the top 10 all had 100 plus return days, which is just nuts. Uh, there's some other chains I'm still kind of looking at. Like Aptos officially launched yesterday. If you participated on their test net, you basically got like a $1,100 airdrop from Aptos which is pretty cool. Um, there's a few other ones I'm kind of looking at. I'm still pretty big in HBAR, but right now I'd be waiting till the Cardano hype calms down. It seems like it's all anybody on Solana is talking about and the Cardano engagement is at an all-time high. So that's usually a good time to step away and either sell the bags you've been holding or look for other opportunities. I did hear about that airdrop. I heard of one person getting like $30,000 equivalent airdrop to them. Yeah. Uh, d- did you get 1100 bucks? Is that what you said? No, I was I was not really paying attention to be honest. I ended up not doing it, um, which was dumb because you could have just looped it and done like a million different wallets. A friend of mine got like fifty or sixty thousand dollars because he did it a million times and just kept making new wallets and doing it because he was confident that they were going to do an airdrop for it. He wasn't sure if it'd be a one to one conversion or what it looks like, but yeah, he made an absolute bag. 
Wow. Well, that's, uh, I mean, the airdrop game is something. Uh, Nick, were you going to add something to that? No, sorry. Um, not on that sp uh, specific subject. I'm out here just trying to find the staying uh, Cardano uh, leaderboard I, thing. I with found stock some data on uh, OpenCNFT.io. Um, and so it, it's showing uh, market volume trends for the Cardano NFT marketplace. So yeah, it looks like uh, like two or three days ago on October 17th, they did... I think it's $3 million, but it has a weird-shaped thing in front of it. Uh, maybe that's like the Cardano. Maybe it's, What's this site? OpenCNFT.io. OpenCNFT.io. But like the letter C, oh. not, not like the Ethereum blockchain. Like OpenC, letter C, NFT.io. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, a little confusing. I think they did it on purpose. Um but yeah, I mean, like the volume looks like uh, like it's going up, but I'm not sure if the little symbol is like a Cardano yeah. symbol or if it's in U.S. dollars. But it looks like they Cardano NFTs had a run from January to May. But I mean, honestly, look at the Cardano think, price because that's going the opposite direction. Yeah, I think this is just like uh, dumb, honestly, and it's kind of just like it's like multi-level marketing. Uh, basically, all of these people that. Uh, want to just make big bags and dump on other people. They just find a new area to go to and then they pump it all up and then they're going to dump on you and then move on. Like you really got to close your eyes and think like, is Cardano long-term just going to be like the place for NFTs? No, dude. I mean, it's probably going to be like Tezos or all of these other things, which they, they end up having like a niche community, which is like cool and all. Um, but yeah, man, I just... Uh, I I mean once again if uh, if there's actual cool projects happening there then I'm always down to check out a new chain but I'm imagining it's probably uh, a lot of low quality projects a lot of copy and paste uh, things that have happened on Ethereum and Solana but it's different because it's Cardano. <laughs> what, what's the price of Cardano? Uh, it looks like it's thirty six cents. Oh, it's up. It's up. So holy so shit. So basically, these are trading for uh, $2,800 is the floor price on uh, the Ape Society. I know that because I went to the Cardano NFT marketplace JPEG store, jpg.store. Um, so that, that's interesting. I just bought one. Really? You no, bought I'm, just, one? I'm just messing around. I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> Well, I know that the uh, YouTube crypto community, they favored Cardano in a big way uh, during the previous bull run. Uh, so it's interesting to see it suddenly get attention here. Dadeep, you have your hand raised. Do you have something to add on this topic on Cardano or something to add somewhere else? Yeah. Hey, Vio. Uh, how's it going? It's a beautiful day out here. Uh, as someone who received their first, uh, you know, follow from a Cardano project yesterday, I'm officially, you know, like moving to Cardano. It seems like there's a lot of potential in that chain. Uh, yeah, you know, ETH and Solana seems like they have been washed up. Uh, we are dinosaur blockchains and the future is Cardano. But with that being said, I have always made the most money shorting Cardano. And I believe that's that's the ultimate form of, you know, getting that that uh, financial freedom. So I'll also keep doing that side by side. And yeah, that's that's my take.
Well, I love to hear that you just uh, got a single follow from one Cardano Twitter account. Wow, that's huge. That's why I don't worry about talking shit about Cardano, P.O., because like on Solana, I at least knew people on Solana. I don't know anyone on Cardano. So it's like talking shit about people you don't know. It's really low, uh, really low downside, high upside. I just looked at JPEG store that Nick talks about. Their top project, Ape Society, and they like drop some. Uh, they drop like uh, these buildings. It looks like fucking Age of Empires three art, dude. Like that, hard pass. That's the project that sold the expensive NFT. So catch this but, too, by the way. In order to stake that NFT to earn their shit coin, you need two other NFTs. So basically, just mass dilution to get anything to work over there. So, so let me tell you about another massive scam in this uh, NFT space. Actually, that took place and went back. Let me bring you back. Um, to I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of 2021. Uh, there was this gentleman who goes by the name of Beeple. And so what happened was this person uh, named Beeple, he's a small, tiny artist, what came out of nowhere. And actually, uh, I'll even go back a little bit further. In 2020, started selling some NFTs that people were buying for thousands of dollars. And people said, my gosh, thousands of dollars being spent on these NFTs? Who would be doing this? And then in January of 2021, uh, a person, another scam artist that had created a blockchain named Tron came in and started bidding on a Beeple. And it got into a bidding war with another person who uh, I'm not going to call a scam artist, but there was some negative FUD associated with this person saying that they had created a... um, a, a crypto exchange that had gone out of business and they ran away with the money. Now, I don't know if that's verified or not, but that person went and bid a whopping $69 million on uh, an Ethereum NFT. And this shitcoin ETH suddenly out of nowhere started getting a bunch of action where people were buying NFTs on it. So it seems very interesting um, that someone would come along and do something like this in order to get uh, promotion over that blockchain and over the those NFTs. But here we are seeing that play out over and over again. I kind of recall something similar happening on this blockchain called Solana, where there were these dumb apes, Degen Ape Society or something like that. And everyone was like, this is dumb. This is bullshit. Out of nowhere, people started trading Solana NFTs. And uh, I mean, I hear that that... Um, uh, that blockchain is a bunch of garbage anyways, uh, and no one trades on it. It's a bunch of losers on that blockchain. Uh, in fact, they host a bunch of spaces and yell on them. Uh, but uh, here on uh, Ethereum, um, we we host much more mature things, and we provide just valuable commentary. And it's because we have a depth of macro analysis, which you don't find across other blockchains. We just understand the economy because uh, primarily – because I went to economics class 20 years ago um, and learned about macro, and I took a separate microeconomics class. So that makes me far more advanced than a lot of other people on these other blockchains. So I just thought that people should understand that. Um, And so, you know, maybe there's uh, one smart ape that ends up on Cardano. Who knows what happens from there? (laughs) <laughs> that monologue sucked. <laughs> uh, so we had a new speaker on stage. You got Sloan. It says, Sloan, you're into tech, finance, and football. You have your hand raised. What's going on? Yeah, well, it's good. I didn't really want to speak on the on the Cardano, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I sort of wanted to speak on the new all-time high Digidaku sale. 
and also wanted to sort of see uh, what everyone sort of thinks about it. Obviously, the founder has released that they will be um, purchasing ads for the Super Bowl. Uh, so I just sort of wanted to see everyone's opinion on that with the new all-time sale there a couple of hours ago. Fake sure, sale. You, uh, sorry, Kicks? I, it's a fake sale. It's a fake sale. I think a lot of this stuff up on these high price points is bullshit, but I'm just a conspiracy theorist. So I'm pulling up Digidaigaku right now. I'm seeing a twenty-two. Oh, the two hundred and sixty thousand dollars sale right here. So that's two hundred Ethereum. Looks like it is point zero five percent rarity mythic kicks. When you say it's a bullshit sale, like what does that mean exactly? What it means to me is that. Um, the highest offer, like th this thing had no offers on it until two days ago, right? And two days ago, someone uh, just out of the blue makes a bid on it for 120 ETH. And then someone else makes a bid on it for 125 ETH. Interestingly enough, that someone else funded their wallet three days ago, right? But before the offer went in, right? So think about that logically, right? Like, Someone funds 200 ETH into an FTX wallet out of the blue three days ago. Then two days ago, another one, uh, another wallet makes a 120 uh, ETH offer. That wallet that got funded three days ago then makes a 125 ETH offer. And then three days later, <clears throat> ends up buying it for 200 ETH. It just sounds to me like if you got with somebody and you're like, okay, dude, let's, we need a big sale. Let's, uh, let's really pump this one up. I'll fund this wallet, you make a bid, and then I'll buy it. Once again, I'm a conspiracy theorist. It's probably not true. It's probably legit. Um, it's just funny to me how these like, you know, these things kind of like line up perfectly. Like this thing didn't get a bid above 20 ETH for three months, and then out of nowhere, uh, it gets a bidding war between two wallets, one of them that was funded before the first one made an offer. Did, did you see that Elon Musk was in the nightclub where the founder of that project was hanging out? <laughs> That's cool. well, well i'm just saying like there's a good chance you put two and two and three together and then uh you add that up and you figure out that like elon musk just brought, bought the whole project <laughs> that's a uh, a little uh, a nod to a previous story in the NFT space, ladies and gentlemen, where a founder was spotted at a club with a known scammer, and then uh, basically justified it by just saying that he was at the club as as you do in the NFT space, as we are all consistently getting bottle service and table service at clubs. It, Nick, something to add. It there. wasn't to a scammer. It was a reference when we said nobody.eth was Elon Musk and he was partying at the club and he switched his profile top to Bored Apes. And then we we speculated, we speculated that uh, he had bought Bored Ape Yacht Club. I don't know. If, no, we didn't think that he bought Board Ape Yacht Club, but we thought that he may have bought Board Apes and that he was going to change his profile picture to a Board Ape. We didn't think we, that he bought Yuga Labs. That was when I bought ApeCoin at that high price. Was that we 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 went so far on that stream as to say that there's a good chance he's buying the whole thing? No, we were we, we did not say that. But I that was. Yeah, well, me and Kicks were not saying that he bought the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, this Digidaigaku sale, $260,000, 200 ETH. Uh, if it is legit, then that's definitely, uh, you know, a monster, monster sale. And a feather in the cap for the Digidaigaku collection. We will see if the ad spend uh, for the Super Bowl is worth it. I believe it was Kicks that was talking about uh, that the 
the the announcement of the Super Bowl ad might indicate that the game will be ready and playable at that time uh, as the call to action. So it'll be interesting what Gabe Layden has up his sleeve. Uh, we have Goody on stage repping Adam Bomb Squad. It looks like Las Vegas Street Squad is the team that he's repping here. Some rebranding by Goody. We got a chance uh, to hang out in person at Web3 Expo last week. Goody, what's going on? Not much, not much. What's goody? Um, real quick, kicks. I'm on board with you with this Digi Daigaku thing. I think anything coming from that project that's like a big, big sale, it's probably them using their $200 million war chest to, you know, incentivize us DGens to go do some DGen shit. I don't know. I thought that that dude was a robot for the longest. I still was convinced that that guy was just an AI Twitter profile for the longest time. And then I heard him have, he was on a space with Jonah and the two of them were having a fantastic conversation. He was a very high level, like talker to be quite honest. And like, it sounds like he's an experienced guy in what he's doing, but I can't see why uh, that sale would just like randomly come through out of a newly funded wallet, just like Kick said. But just wanted to uh, say one more thing on the Cardano shit that right when we were doing our convention here last week cardano had a convention in vegas at the same time for like two days and then they had a convention in denver right after and if we were complaining about like you know ours felt empty and you know the hallways of the wind hotel felt empty and shit like that I can't imagine how empty a Cardano NFT convention must have been. Like, did anybody know anybody that went? Because I, I I heard of one person that ended up going to any of those Cardano events. But I, I was just wondering if anybody else knew anybody or if that was just like he was the only person that went. Because I could totally see that, too. Like, nobody else showing up to those events. Uh, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's something that that's, you know, interesting to see pumping now wish that we'd gotten in sooner, you know? Yeah. I can't say that. I know anyone that showed up at a Cardano trader event. My money would be on easy. If he knew kicks, you have your hand raised. Then we'll go to the weather report. Once kicks wraps kicks, what's going on. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm doing the weather report. So I'll just do a little transition in. Yeah. And I just wanted to like clarify, I think, uh, I, I think it's funny that he thought Gabe was an AI at first, but yeah, I think uh, Gabe's going to do a fantastic job, um, especially with getting more people into Web3 gaming. And yeah, uh, P.O., I didn't say that, but it would make a lot of sense that like there would be a live game and there would be like a call to action, right, uh, going along with the Super Bowl ad. So I think that's like super, super exciting. I wasn't trying to imply that uh, that like the limit break team is like behind the 200 e sale. I'm just saying I'm a conspiracy theorist. Whenever I see these big sales, I I like just do some research and it, it's just like funny to me because like you'd think 200 e sale, it's like oh man, did like D Farmer buy it or like someone else buy it? And you're like oh no, it's this fresh wallet that's never bought an NFT. Like all sorts of people could be doing that. I'm not trying to uh, uh, make an uh, insinuation that like that was like their actual team. I just. Uh, uh, whenever I see a big sale like that, just my, my tinfoil hat, uh, goes out, but yeah, I'm really, I, I think that project, uh, I, I'm really excited to see like, uh, where it's at when the Super Bowl ad comes out. Cause it would be awesome if that actually like onboarded a ton of people into, uh, into web three gaming. But, um, 
Uh, yeah, you want me to dive into the weather for it? There's there's no sound. There's no background music. But no worries. We'll get that voice. all squared. We're going to get that all squared away, but I, I can't wait to hear your weather report. Awesome. Okay, today is Wednesday, the 19th of October, 2022. Uh, open sea volume was at 9.4 million. That's down from 11.3 million yesterday. Um, of course, we also know that uh, Cardano did like, you know, $10 billion in volume yesterday. So you really want to check that place out. Uh, lots of awesome stuff happening there. Um, and then Magic Eden actually did $3.45 million. Um, dollars. I've been out of pocket for a couple of days. Based on like everybody talking on Twitter, I thought like Solana volume was just going into the absolute gutter, but it's it's still doing like good volume. So it's interesting that like the volume seems like okay relative to OpenSea, but the floor prices are crashing. Um, but anyways, that's for for another conversation. But in terms of the leaders, very little has uh, changed in 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 the category leaders. A lot of things are just sitting flat. We did have a Punk VR hoodie which sold for almost $500,000. So that's really cool. Um, apes are at like 76. Mutants are at 14.5. Punks are at 65. So they're all holding pretty well there. Uh, Moonbirds at 9.8. Doodles just below um, 8 Ethereum at 7.9. And then Clonex at 8.5. When we look at cool news events uh, over the past 24 hours, we have Yuga leading the OpenSea ranks. And then we have Digi Daigaku uh, in the top three as well. Um, Digi Floor is at 12 ETH, and yesterday one of their collab partners, Castaways, had a successful town hall where they talked a little bit more about the Castaway game. Um, the island collection is now live, and players can immediately play with their islands. Um, uh, Castaways also did another drop, which many of you are probably aware of, that's uh, now sitting at 3 ETH. Um, so Castaways and Digi Daigaku both making big splashes in the Web3 gaming space. So it's awesome to see them doing a collab together. Um, and I did some research on the Castaways team. It seems like they're a pretty cool team as well. Uh, lots of Minecraft influence there. Um, so excited to see how that project works out. Um, Moonbird Oddities also had a run last night. The collection was swept. 31 oddities were bought up. For uh, sixty thousand dollars, that would be impressive, but um, that's almost just one Cardano NFT sale, so it's not even that significant. Uh, floor that, went that up. Sweep from was one... me. <laughs> oh, oh hell yeah, dude! Let's go, Spencer. Floor went from one point two to one point four five. Spencer must be getting ready for the uh, that burn mechanic or something like that. That's awesome to see, Spencer. Nice sweep there. Um, on the topic of sweeps, we had uh, admit one. By G Money was bought yesterday. Floor and that went all the way down to 3.5 ETH um, before uh, shooting up to 8.5 ETH after the sweep and now settled at 7.5 ETH. Was that also you, Spencer? <laughs> that was not. Okay. I was like, man, maybe you went on a tear yesterday. That'd be awesome. Um, DGen Mint uh, Rog Pole, a 10K collection, had one of the highest uh, sales with over uh, 9,300 on secondary and 200 uh, ETH in trading volume. The floor is still holding at 0.04 ETH. I think our boy Easy Eats Bodega called this one out as well. Uh, so nice little degen trade there. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was at 0.01. So that's a nice Forex there. Um, and then when we look over at crypto, we're continuing to range. Bitcoin at 19K. 
uh, ETH uh, trying to hold on to that 1300 uh, range. Uh, and just uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to call out uh, NFT Nick made a tweet saying that he was really surprised that NFT volume didn't take off more, uh, especially considering that crypto has really been ranging for like three, four weeks now, which is generally when we see some uh, some nice NFT action. We're definitely seeing wins across the board, but we're not seeing crazy, crazy upticks in volume. Uh, that's it for your weather report. Back to you in the studio. Well, fantastic weather report. Shout out to Spencer for the monster sweep on oddities. If you were listening to yesterday's show, Spencer had a lot to say on oddities. Did you? That happened after the show, right, Spencer? Yeah, so that happened after the show. It also happened, so like there is a big thing with... Uh, so I had a pretty like big exchange yesterday with like um with open rarity. So I'm a pretty vocal critic of it. And um there was a really good response from the proof team about, you know, how they were handling feedback on open rarity. And there was actually a change to how open rarity was displayed on OpenSea yesterday based on that like tweet thread. And so I was open, just pretty open open rarity being like the fact that I can pull up a moonbird oddity on OpenSea right now and there's a little icon that says rarity rank top 20%. Yep. No, number 1835 out of 10,000. Yeah, 000. so that, that used to just say rank and after the tweet thread 2 days ago the had like had a product for proof and one of the people who worked on the rarity rankings in OpenSea were in the tweet thread and they changed that to say rarity rank. I think there might be more changes coming. But my favorite type of proof ecosystem exposure is Moonbird's oddities. I really liked how the proof team was handling itself in terms of responding to that thread, in terms of like all sorts of stuff. And so at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I think they could run today if if gold nesting rewards over deliver. I know, you know, Signal said yesterday, like if they under deliver that that afterwards might be the time to buy oddities. I'm making a little bit of a bet on um on that they over deliver. Um, and that's just sort of like the feeling I was getting at the end of yesterday. Well, what's the, uh, what's the distinction in rarity rank versus rank? Like what's the, what are the implications of that? Well, so here's the thing. Like, I think that there's going to be a bigger change coming to, to rare, to open rarity on OpenSea, but obviously in like a 24 hour span, they couldn't make a big change. So the fact that they were able to make a small change just indicates like how much like, like that they were actually like listening and able to move quickly. Like I was just excited about that. I don't think it's a huge difference, but I think the biggest critique that I've always had of it was that it's not clear that it's a scarcity metric and calling it like rank feels like a, like a collection imposed, like this is the official ranking one to zero. And I, the tweet was about like, if you've seen the percentage of like, say, like the number of sales above floor of Moonbirds since they turned on like, open rarity has just absolutely collapsed and especially in the like mid-tier rares have just all gone basically to floor um largely because this like rarity rank this the like the open rarity like ranking because it's a metric of scarcity and not anything else is like a very far off from where you might think value is and so like part of that argument was just like it's not clear that this is a purely a scarcity metric and is not at all reflective of value or utility yeah, I mean, uh, we kind of saw that at the beginning of the bear market, you know, making it, it was just a lot tougher to sell, you know, quote unquote rares. A lot of stuff went to floor. I feel like this probably compounds it. Monster sweep, though, Spencer. I like the bet. 
I think that oddities is super interesting. Reminder, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that today's sponsor is, I mean, today's show is sponsored by Artie. We're going to be giving away five Artie Season 2 NFTs at the end of the show. Retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow Artie for a chance to win. Uh, we got Ryan Carson on stage, uh, a gentleman that is no stranger to sleep, uh, sweeping floors. You got your hand raised, Ryan. What's going on? Jam, guys. Good to see everybody. Uh, thanks for letting me drop by. Um, Spencer, congrats on the oddity sweep. Um, so the the admit one run uh, was would literally just started because um, I picked up an admit one pass. Uh, I think it was like last week. Knew I should be in the community. Um, similar to the same reason I knew I need to be in the nifty community. Just like get in there, get around, um, you know, meet everybody. And then I uh, was able to hang out on a Zoom call with G Money for a little while. And uh, he just made me more and more bullish on the Admit One uh, community and the allow list. So we talked a lot about 9DCC. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about 9DCC, which is his luxury clothing brand. Um, and they're tokenizing uh, clothing, uh, putting on the blockchain, the allow list for Admit One uh, for future drops. And I thought, you know, Let's just grab two more passes. The, the floor has dropped a lot. I mean, I think I, we got ours at 3.5 and maybe four. Um, and the floor is so thin and then it rises so fast that it, it, it caused a quote unquote, you know, kind of massive floor increase. <laughs> but it was, it was just us picking up two. Uh, so I wanted to explain what happened there. Awesome, Ryan. You were breaking up a little bit, but I think we we were able to get it. Uh, it is. I'm looking at the price action on it over the past six days. I did not realize it was so low. It got as low as as three. And like you said, because it's a, a relatively scarce collection, one thousand total, the floor gets really thin. And I think the attention uh, that your fund probably brought to it prompted you know another ten fifteen sales and ten fifteen sales on a collection like this will make it run. You also had an impact on runners uh, who were a former sponsor of ours. Shout out to Yossi. Saw that one run from point fifteen to point eight. Uh, I think in Vegas on stage you said that you were going to sweep the floor of that with 121G. Um, and I, I should have just taken my phone out right there and started buying them. I don't know why <laughs> and I did. It was so stupid. Yeah, there's more news coming, y'all. So get ready. Um, we're going to make another move and going to have them on the show on Thursday. So a little bit of alpha for you. Okay. Me and Nick have a call with you in 11 days. Uh, is that an indicator that a monster floor sweep is coming on the portal? Uh, watch out. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> The run is incoming. All right. Well, uh, th thanks for the info, uh, Ryan. You know, looking at the NFT market, like, let's be honest, we haven't had a ton to talk about. Yesterday, we talked about the value accrual to the Azuki collections because of this auction for the gold-plated skateboard, the corresponding speculation that perhaps there'll be a gold-plated guitar or a gold-plated boombox. Hard to understand uh, whether there will be sustained value accrual because of just auctions of physical goods, but clearly Azuki has a monster fan base. So that kind of you know took over our airtime a good amount yesterday. 
The only other kind of major story that we're seeing uh, is that Nouns uh, closed their Discord and are going to do everything on Twitter. I think it's interesting. I think that it's worth talking about. From a market perspective, uh, you know, earlier in the week, we talked about Genuine Undead and the run that they went on, which is, you know, congratulations to anybody that participated in that run. That's a hell of a run. And it seems like it, it is organic. Uh, one collection that has bust into the top 10 is Metamorphic. So we actually had the platform that launched Metamorphic Live Art on the show as a sponsor. Metamorphic is the collection by Huang Yujing, Chinese artist, not mainstream outside of China. But he, uh, And I remember this from when they came on the show. He had posted two seven-figure sales in the traditional art world one uh, as high as $8 million. And that's what kind of brought initial attention. And, you know, the, obviously live art kind of made the rounds of sponsorship to, to promote the drop. It minted at one ETH. If I'm looking at the price action right now, it dipped as low as about 0. 0.56, 0. 0.6 ETH at its bottom. And it's now run to 1.6. So anybody that made the bet at the bottom when the average price was 0. 0.56, which three days ago on Sunday, uh, 62 sales with that average price day before only four sales. So I'd imagine that there's been a news event. I'm not privy to it. Just seeing this this morning. If anybody has info on this, definitely jump on stage. But good to see a fine art project, you know, scarce collection, only 800 total supply. Go on that, a little bit of run. Go ahead. That, Nick. that chart is like one of the weirdest charts ever. It's like uh, it, it was like hovering above one ETH for an extended period of time. Oh, maybe that's because this was post-drop. No, the drop happened the other day during our show, right? Not the other. I mean, a month ago almost. The, wow. It was a month ago when they came on our show? Uh, well, the drop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Time's fine, I guess. But wow. Yeah, so it's about a month okay. ago. Yes. So yeah, it just like arbitrarily dropped all of a sudden just on that one day, which was the 16th, which is weird because every other day the price was essentially one ETH. And then it drops, the price drops in half. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, an interesting one. Holy cow, I did not realize that's been a month. I felt like it was like a week or two ago. And time's flying, buddy. I mean, we were in Vegas for for a week, so it was before that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look, it, th things are going by fast. But other than that, you know, we got this Digidai Gaku sale. That's a market-related update that's worth talking about. You see the sandbox pop into the top 11. You see the, the kind of usual suspects stick around. Stream Machine uh, creeping up. It's at a half ETH now. I think that first day you had an opportunity to buy it at a quarter ETH, watching it creep up now. A uh, little bit of a pullback on another former sponsor, uh, the Art Pass from Iconic Moments. I think people might be speculating that the artist that they announced could potentially, uh, the first artist that they announced could potentially be an underwhelming news event to the market. So we'll have to see what happens there. That pass, of course, pumped to over one ETH, actually towards two ETH. It's another example where it's a relatively scarce collection, only 1,200 in the collection. So when you get some aggressive sales volume, those floors are super, super thin. And if the volume's there, you can see the run. Uh, meanwhile, Renga, can, uh, continuing to pull back. Renga Black Box, sub-3 ETH for the first time in a while. 
Another pullback that's interesting, Moonbirds. So Spencer uh, swept Moonbirds oddities, but not Moonbirds. And we've seen Moonbirds dip to below 10 ETH and stay there. We'll see if it keeps dropping or if a news event like the nesting news event that's coming up will actually have positive impact and prompt the project to run. You know, Kix, we haven't had you for a couple of days. We always love to hear your perspective on the market. I'd love to know what you think of what's going on. I look at the the numbers that we put up on this show as an indicator, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, maybe I'm biased because it's something that I live through and operate every day. But a lot of times, our peak concurrent viewership is an indicator of where the NFT market is. If you sold all your NFTs when we were getting 2,300, 2,400 peak concurrent viewers a day around the time of the other deed drop, you probably would have made out pretty well if you converted everything to USDC. And I mean, in the over the past three days, it's been a little bit of a dip. I have to imagine it's been a good time to buy NFTs, uh, unless of course all of a sudden you you know the dip keeps on dipping. But you see Spencer making some great buys on oddities. You know, it's something to look at. We got Shark on stage, and I always like to hear Shark's perspective because he follows the macro environment. Uh, he he might be related to Frank, but either way, uh, Shark, good to have you on the show. What's going on? Hey, hey Frank. What's going on, guys? Nick, your audio is a little funny. Um, yeah, everything's good. Just another day, I feel like. Uh, just general thinking. No one really knows what to do. And there is a little bit, um, you know, kind of sensitivity to NFTs with the royalty discussion, especially on the Solana side. Like, it's no question that the marketplace changes have really negatively affected NFTs in the short term for now until someone tries to figure out, you know, a technical solution or a sustainable way of revenue. And then as far as the general crypto markets, yeah, Bitcoin's dancing around 19,000. ETH just went below 1,300. And uh, markets are all red as far as NASDAQ, Dow, S&P, and oil's up. So, yeah, it doesn't look like we're going to get any relief on the macro side of it and dance around some key levels, like I said last week, uh, that I'm watching carefully. And, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just a risk-off attitude right now. And, uh, yep, that's kind of just a summary. Not, not much new to report, I'd say. And what do you do day to day to day in a risk off environment? Are you just you know staying in cash? Are you you know dollar cost averaging into uh, fungible tokens? Are you buying NFTs uh, that you think are underpriced? Like what do you do day to day right now? Yeah, I would say I split it up into two. Uh, obviously, if there's a short term trading or whitelist mints, that's pretty attractive as just quick flipping, and then accumulating kind of higher conviction bags with that money. And then also something I've been doing a lot, which I think uh, people should start learning more and reading the docs for these protocols, is uh, buying NFTs and then taking loans against them uh, and then stabling up. Obviously, there's leverage involved, not financial advice. Definitely understand these protocols before you use them. But like a quick example, I was able to get, you know, 200 soul loan against NFT. That was about like 90% LTF, like loan to floor value. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 days stabled up. And that was when Solana was at 34. So essentially, I got the NFT took out 90% of the risk or 90% of the downside and kept having unlimited upside and stable. was able to capture the Solana price moving down and also the floor prices moving down on Solana. And then you kind of just, uh, like I really think the key in the bear market is minimizing downside risk um, and not, you know, letting the upside risk ride. So like I'm right now, I'm just focused on trades that, you know, just try not to blow up, try not to lose 50% or look more on any types of trading right now. And at the end of the day, just surviving through the bear market and hopefully, you know, one day, who knows, six months from now or six years from now, uh, be in a better position than I was in the, in the last bull market. 
In terms of time usage during the day, would you say that you spend more time trading or more time managing the Utes team? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not too involved with Utes specifically. I mean, I'm excited to see what they got. Um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely more of a trader and uh, alpha calling and whitelist type of meta trying to figure out some new products that are coming up and, you know, get whitelist for D-God, stuff like that. A little joke from Nick implying that Shark sounds just like Frank and is Frank. My joke slash my potential truth is that Shark is Frank's brother. I think that's more realistic. Uh, yeah, but regard- but I, yeah I, I just wanted to say, Frank, I saw the video you guys put out <laughs> yesterday. I loved it. So looking forward to seeing what else you guys put out. Kicks, I'm going to throw back to you. I just want to ask Shark one more breakdown on that loan just to, to break it down really simply for people. So you have a high-value Solana NFT. You put that NFT up as collateral for a loan. The amount that you borrowed, in, you, you borrowed it in Solana and the value of what you borrowed against the value uh, is much lower than the value of that collateral that you put up. Did you then sell the Solana into stables and start earning yield on stables? Is that what you did? Yeah, so there's a few ways to do it. But essentially, let's just say you get an NFT for 100. There's protocols on Solana where you could get a 14-day loan for less than one sole interest, like very low interest. And then you essentially, uh, you could stable up. You could start trading it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of risk if you start deploying the capital you borrowed. I tend to stable if I'm bearish on the overall markets. And, you know, if Solana goes down 10%, I just swap back and I have 10% more Solana now. And uh, also something to watch is when the floor prices move really quickly, a lot of the loan protocols are just peer-to-peer. So they're, they're not updated by any type of algorithm. So let's say like a floor price just crashes down 30%. A lot of times you might be able to take a loan out for more than it's worth on some protocols. So there's some types of ARBs, especially as the swap protocols and other marketplaces that aren't in aggregators get more traction. There's a lot of dislocations with pricing and inefficient markets still. But that I usually tend to just get the loan stable against it. And if I see like a quick short-term trade opportunity, I'll uh, stable back up, do that, then flip back. But that's kind of the game I play in the bear market because at the end of the day, at the end of the 14 days, if the if the floor price is below the loan, you just default on the loan and uh, move on to the next one. But that's kind of what I – like my real focus here is just surviving and trying to maximize profits in the safest way possible to get to the next uh, the bull cycle, hopefully. that That's the dream at least. Yeah, and and just just to clarify, so you did or you did not earn yield on the stables? Yeah, I mean it's it's fourteen days, so it's not like significant APY for the amount of risk that I'd be willing to take. So usually my APY is just from Solana going down, which seems like it's been doing a lot of lately. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'll exacerbate it a little bit by there's some like put product put option protocols or put option pools on like psi options that sometimes I'll play around with if I, if I have a strong conviction in the upside or downside. But for the most part, I'm just stabled up and kind of betting against the floor price and betting against Solana and then swapping back and either buying the NFT back or defaulting on the loan if the floor price drops below the loan value. Sure. So this was a bet against Solana. It sounds like it worked out. Thank you for breaking that down for us. Uh, we always love having you on the, on the show, Shark. Nick, uh, you unmuted. Something to add? Well, yeah. Any advanced trading strategy just sounds like the dumbest thing that uh, that that one can do. Like it's full blown degenerate gambling, is what it uh, feels like. It's like I'm gonna leverage this, take out loans, short that. I don't know. It's just, like when you're doing that in the NFT space, it's like um, oh, yeah, mainlining. No, what, what's the uh, uh, kicks refers to uh, mainlining computer cleaner. Like if you're in a huffing or snoring computer cleaner, that's that's what you end up using. Is that correct? But uh, 
the, the other question I was going to, or unrelated, although I guess tangentially related since um, they're related by blood, uh, is so did, did Utes get rid of the entire project? Is that, is that what went down yesterday? Yeah, from my understanding, and like this is just me talking, I'm on the D-Gods team, which happens to be affiliated with Utes, but you know, it's a separate team. But from my understanding is like uh, the real importance here is the art. Uh, people have an opinion that, you know, art is not that significant, but I know from the way the team's speaking and all the artists involved, it's like this is a main focus because, you know, Frank's been public that this is going to be an IP type of play. So obviously it's super important the art has kind of mass appeal has a lore and just you know nice to look at and shows the amount of work that's been put into it and at the end of the day i think they were kind of getting ready to finalize stuff and they just uh you know came to the conclusion that they could do better and uh, taking that chance to really you know and also in the at this point in time people have waited so long already yeah it sucks i'm one of those people that are also disappointed in waiting so long but at the end of the day, I think uh, it will be worth it as far as the art. So I think they scrapped most of it. And uh, yeah, I think it should look drastically different, but that's my guess. There you have it, Nick. There's the answer to your question. Uh, thanks for joining Shark as usual. We got Spencer with his hand raised. Spencer, what's on your mind? Yeah, I was just thinking about you know what you said about how there's not been a ton of stuff going on. And, you know, Digi Daigaku is in the top three on uh, volume on OpenSea for 240 ETH volume, of which 200 of the 240 ETH is that one sale that may or may not have been. Even It's real. It's just, it's just in, crazy to me to see, and we talked about this the other day, how cheap it is relatively to put a project onto the top uh, three of OpenSea right now. And I think, you know, even if you look at like these modest runs, right? Like I'm looking at Azuki up from 10 to 12, but like how many, there's only 155 ETH volume so how many sales is that? And like, even if you swept like a crazy amount of, of Azuki's at like eight to 10 ETH, like you can't sell more than 10 Azuki in a day right now, even if you're all of the sales, right? And so I think it's just interesting to see, um, like, I think a lot of when volumes this low, a lot of whales are trapped in their positions because they can't reasonably expect to move uh, a, a meaningful amount of a project because there's so little exit liquidity. And so that tends to have wonky uh, effects on the floor price. But the thing that I think everyone should be looking for, and this is what happened like back when 3AC got liquidated and other stuff was like, if whales start to dump and like that's the big risk in the environment, like the floor can fall very, very quickly because there's just so little buying that like if someone who owns 1% of a project or something like starts dumping, it can really, really, really have a big effect. And I don't think we've seen whales dumping for quite a while. Well, I haven't seen in terms of whales dumping. What I think the biggest issue is because there's no like liquidity in this space, um, and it's actually been surprising to see some of these floors hold up. What was that fishbowl project that we had bought into? Uh, what was that thing called? The one that's uh, backed? Oh, it's the Zed Run thing. What the hell was it called? A Animora the Mystery Bowl. Yeah, I just checked. I'm down ninety three percent. <laughs> oh my god is it 0.04 <laughs> i mean that's so bad Whoa. don't worry man it's 18, 18, 16. <laughs> <laughs> well hold on they, they ended up transitioning that was because you could take your fish out of the bowl or whatever it was and that's now anamora of which the floor on that is also 0.045 no way oh that's oh sweet so i'm only down 91 percent no that's awesome. <laughs> that is horrendous that is down horrendous holy well, shit it, Total volume on that project is 43 ETH. Oh my God. 
Oh my God, that's so bad. Can you? I can't believe that that was just trading between 0.4 and 0.7. That is gnarly. Look, stay safe out there, folks. The NFT uh, game is absolutely gnarly. Um, wow. Animora. Yeah, that's wrecked. a perfect. That's a perfect example. Because I mean, it's not even necessarily like the team's fault. I mean, I think it's interesting that like I I haven't like seen. Like anyone really talk about the game at all? Like you'd think that they would like launch and want to have like a little bit more like marketing and promotion behind it. But I think that the price got up so high because this is a classic example of when people people see something happen and they miss it. And so then they like try to recreate the narrative with like the next closest thing that comes out. So, of course, like Digi Daigaku goes on this insane run. Uh, but when you like look at like the reasons behind the run, it's like, okay, Gabe raised $200 million. Like that's insanely significant. He's been building mobile games since 2008 or 2012 or whatever. Like he's been in the space for a very, very long time. And then also he's a great marketer himself. Look at the amount of effort that he puts on Twitter, like talking about his project nonstop. Right. And then, uh, and then people see Animora Mystery Bowl and they like try to create the same narrative, but there's like, there's no Gabe, right? There's no $200 million raise. Um, and so eventually it kind of like frizzles out. It's very, the comparison I always make is when in, uh, Azuki went on the crazy run, everybody was like, oh, anime, nar- uh, anime meta, anime meta. And they started looking for other projects that like were sort of similar to Azuki. We were in a bull market then, so the pumps actually did work out. Like Zipsy did go to like three, four ETH. Lives of Asuna did go to like three, four ETH. Now they're both down like you know ninety percent from there, and Azuki's the only one still alive. But like this is like I've I've gotten trapped in this kind of trade before, and I've gotten like better at like avoiding them. But like yeah, you should always be cautious if like some sort of project like Goblin Town, right? Like Goblin Town goes on a crazy run. If you hear people like being like, okay, this is the next Goblin Town, like just be very cautious about those trades, in my opinion. I yeah, could I mean, not. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, chasing the trends in the NFT space, you you have maybe one, right? So like trend hits because of something like Digidai Gaku. Then the, the next one was, what's it called? The Castaway or whatever. And I don't know if those are related, but that came out after. So that was the next one. Then the next one, and you, you drop off by a lot as the Animora Mystery Bowl. You still would have made money if you got in really early on it, but you just got your face ripped off if you bought it at point six. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it was a way quicker, like up and down. The connection between Castaways and Digidaigaku is that Gabe laid own invested in castaways um as an angel investor so there's a connection there yeah go ahead it looks like i got out of this i i definitely lost like 150 dollars. i don't know how the first transaction happened though there uh there was oh i know what happened i ended up buying it on a different wallet did we end up minting those or did we we bought secondary didn't we live on the show yeah we bought secondary uh Good God. The biggest red flag for me was the day before reveal. They pulled back and I was like, oh my God, like these things are going to die after the reveal. And so I, I floored hard there just to get out, took a loss. Uh, it, it did pump by like another, you know, 0.1 or 0.15 ETH pre-reveal. So, you know, I left that on the table. And then right after the reveal, it just started this downward trajectory. I didn't know it was this bad. This is really bad. 0.04 is really, really bad. 
That's gnarly. Um, ladies and gentlemen, reminder to retweet the tweet that's pinned to the top and follow Artie. Today's sponsor, we're going to be diving into that in just a few minutes. Uh, before we go any further, we got Bell from the If You Know You Know show with her hand raised. Bell, what's going on? Yeah, those bowls were brutal. I still have one that's that's unopened, and the floor on that is 0.08, but yeah, incredibly brutal. You know what has kept the floor, though, pretty stable? Um, the potatoes. It's at 1.33. Have you noticed that? Yeah, potatoes. Uh, I think a lot of people think that Nine Gag and Me Bland, you know, have some some good stuff up their sleeve. People have all also commended the collection uh, for the staking mechanics that they've built out. I see we're in another phase now where instead of just seeing the potatoes butt and having it twerk, you got the potatoes. They're all jacked and they're doing bodybuilder poses. So definitely some more funny stuff. We have the Nine Gag CEO on our YouTube channel. We're definitely impressed by his understanding of internet culture, uh, driving value to NFTs, and you know his general participation in the NFT market. Bell, do you have exposure to potatoes? I sure do. Mine is all bodybuilder over here. <laughs> Your potatoes jacked. Um, I wonder, I mean, look, that's a serious floor to hold in this market. Um, I believe the plan is they're going to do another collection. Am, am I right about that? Or they already did? I, I, am I making that up? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They down? are. That's. I mean, that that's the talk. I don't know if it's been official or not, but they've definitely signaled toward that. And I think there might. I think I've even heard that you have to have at least two. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I, but that's what that's what the word on the street is. Very nice. Well, yeah, shout out to Nine Gag Potatoes Project doing well. We got Clemente from WGMI, uh, the data and analytics man, or the market update man, I should say. What's going on, Clemente? Good to have you back. Hey, thanks, Pio. Yeah, the, the only thing that I will say on the potatoes, I was just briefly looking at their listings. I was actually expecting them to dip because their listings have gone from 62 total listed, which is insane, back on the 6th of October, so about two weeks ago. And now they're sitting at 134, so more than a 2x in their listings, but it's still low. So I was, I was watching for a dip there, but they're still sitting at 1.3. Um, in, in talks of the Moonbirds, one quick number I wanted to share is there's only 89 Moonbirds listed, and that's the lowest it's been since oddities revealed back in July 20th. Since then, it's been a constant. They peaked at about 210, and that was right at the CCO announcement. And then oddities there's a total of 282 listed and that's the lowest um, that they were pre-reveal as well. So pretty exciting things. It's been like when you look at the listings chart for both of those, it's been just a constant downstream um, and ticking down since the CCO announcement. And they've kind of been getting hit like oddities didn't go well. The CCO announcement wasn't revealed well. And then the last nesting rewards didn't go too well either. So I think the, not necessarily the bar is is low, but if they do deliver something that's interesting and something that the community receives well, we could see a little bit of a supply shock be, just because there's such little listed right now. Yeah, I believe it was NFT God that pointed out that listing count is a metric that gets brought up a lot, but it's actually relatively insignificant except for in the situation of a pump. So a news-related pump or 
I mean, yeah, just exactly that. A news-related pump, when you have low listings, the floor thins out. We saw that with Iconics, Art Pass. Uh, that's a recent example of it. We were talking about it with Admit One with uh, Ryan Carson uh, you know, earlier in this show. But with collections like this that have you know stable volume but not explosive volume, I, the, the floor price, it doesn't really, you know, I mean, excuse me, the listing count doesn't impact the floor price all that much. If all of a sudden there's a news event and this nesting reveal thing with Moonbirds causes a pump, then okay, cool. You know, that low listing count is going to make it really, you know, have a more exaggerated pump than it would. But there are a lot of collections with quote unquote diamond handed holders, but it gets balanced out with the sort of average volume levels that you see every day. Easy, much more technical than me, has his hand raised. What's going on, Easy? You got to look at the opposite side of this too. Low listing count means that there's also a chance that this is poorly received, that listings can dump on the market, and it takes a massive hit to the downside. So it goes both ways. Like, I'm not a big fan of looking at that. I think it's it's also considering that like this could see a massive influx of listings if whatever this announcement is disappoints again. And because there's so few listed, it's a bunch of people sprinting for the exit. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point to bring up. Spencer? Yeah, and I think also, like, I'm curious if the timing of when you said there was low listings of potato meme land, uh, meme land potatoes was when Ryan swept it with his fund. Cause like, that's another thing we see too is like when there is a big sweep, like no shit, there's like lower listings of, of, of Moonbirds oddities right now. <laughs> there were last night before I swept like 40 of them, right? <laughs> like there's clearly 40 less listings. And so like oftentimes you'll see price impact that, um, that will change like the floor. And then, like almost immediately after I did that sweep, right? Like people started listing again below and it goes back down, but that's just like how this works, right? This is like, like, like if there is a big supply shock, then suddenly it's repriced and a lot of people come out of the woodworks with Moonbirds, especially like Moonbirds, I would say is the least meaningful in terms of looking at listings because everyone's nested. So they're not listed. And like, even like a better metric would be look at the floor depth, like how many of the listings are around floor. Like Moonbirds, unlike other collections, you don't see people like YOLO listing at some high price hoping Justin Bieber comes and buys it like he did that ape because there's like a trade-off between it being listed and being nested. <laughs> um, whereas like, and so like Moonbirds, you'll see most of the listings are right around floor because they're actually like people who are price motivated to sell. Whereas in other collections like apes, like people like, you know, the listing count includes the person who listed it for like 69,420 ETH. Uh, Lost should. Yeah, sorry. Did, did no, you, yeah. Th- no, that was it. He was done. He just hard stopped. I oh, just okay. hard stopped. Sorry. That was <laughs> that. So I mean, look, I work with you every day, Spencer. That was an unsuspected stop. That threw me off a little bit. I was confused. It's actually, if you've uh, if you've studied um, how to like control conversations and be an alpha, um, that's one of the tactics. Because uh, you see how thrown thrown off you are, PO. Um, exactly. He is now in control of this conversation. So uh, Spencer, <laughs> you're now the host for the rest of the show. A hundred percent. I'm choked up. I'm literally sweating now. Just, uh, you know, tripping over my own words. Nick, were you going to add to that? No, I just wanted to acknowledge the alpha in the room, Spencer. <laughs> Shout out to the, the alpha Spencer for that power move. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, retweet the tweet that's pinned at the top and follow the Artyverse, uh, courtesy of our sponsor, Artie Today. We're going to be giving away five Artie Season 2 NFTs. Uh, this is the second time we've had Artie on the show. Uh, really excited to have you back, Ryan. And, uh, you know, for people that don't know Artie, uh, you all are building, uh, you know, a Web3 business that's focused on the future of gaming and entertainment and, you know, having the mission of making those two things 
things more accessible for everybody. So that's definitely something I can get behind. Uh, I know I saw Bryson in the crowd earlier. I didn't know if he was going to join us. I know he's one of your brand ambassadors. He'd be a great person to have on stage if he is available. But either way, great to have you, Ryan. How's it going this morning? Doing well, doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, Bryson, I think, had to take a quick call, but he might be back in a bit and uh, able to pop up. Awesome. Looking forward to having him back, uh, but great to have you again. So for people that didn't listen last time, what can you tell them You know about Artie? Like, what exactly is the collection? What is the business? Uh, if you could share a little bit about that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, let me dive in. And also just wanted to mention, we just posted a leak of our first gameplay footage. We have our private alpha coming out in about a week or so or less. Um, so if you go to our Artie account or my account, it's the second tweet if you want to pin that. And it's a look at sort of what the game looks like um, in its alpha state and sort of how you can just play it right off of Twitter. So uh, yeah, just to dive in, uh, we're a team of about 50 people. We've been around for a few years building um, some tech that's sort of tied to Unity and we're able to bring higher quality web games to the mobile social uh, layer. So imagine you're just scrolling Twitter, you see a link to our game, you click it, it pops up, it goes full screen in Twitter, and you're playing the game within seconds, no app download. So that's kind of what we've been working on. Um, but we felt like, you know, the power of Web3 and the idea that, you know, we're providing greater accessibility, circumventing app stores, you know, no middlemen, uh, kind of gelled with the idea of you want to own your own game assets. So sort of our ethos is really all about that. It's about player empowerment, cutting out middlemen, going direct to players. So that's what we do. And our first game is called Pong Legends. And it's beer pong meets Mortal Kombat, but in this sort of clash style game, if anyone knows what that is. So, so Ryan, one thing that you just said there is... In my opinion, the single strongest pitch I've heard from any gaming entity, and I'm not kidding, and we get sponsored by other game, gaming entities too, and I've never said this before. You just said that you're building the game so that it can be played natively in Twitter. So you don't have to leave Twitter to play it. You just click, boom, full screen right on Twitter. Am I right about that? Yeah, you're right. And look, web games are new. You know, if you go into like Facebook's app, which I don't think any of us probably do anymore, um, or you go into Snap, you can play these like pretty cool HTML5 JavaScript games, but they have sort of ceiling on graphics quality and sort of the complexity of the game. So they're typically hyper casual games, the kind of games you play for a couple of weeks and then kind of typically churn out of. So what we've been working on is actually using Unity and sort of the full strength of it so that we can stream um, highly kind of optimized game data down to your browser render a C-sharp Unity game in a different way and then actually run a game that would normally require an app and you'd have to go through Apple and Google. And for developers, that means paying them 30%. So I think everyone knows a few weeks ago, Apple announced, yeah, you can you know, have games and stuff and sell NFTs, but you got to give us 30% of your sales. So we don't really think that's what Web3 is about. And also, we don't really think the audience you know, that we're going after or of Web3 cares about app stores like we consume all of our content on site on apps like twitter right or tiktok or in discord so to sort of just sort of stay on the top level and avoid that ios you know android you know level to us makes sense because gaming is the last category of content that you can actually discover and consume in social if you think about it, it's the only kind of media category you still have to download as an app 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, the reason I bring that up and I, I'm, I feel so strongly about it is people in the audience might be like, you know, saying, you know, why is that one thing, the thing that PO thinks is, is so significant? And the reason being is if you're a content creator, if you try to build a Twitter following, if you're operating a business in the Web3 space and you're using Twitter as a tool, then you pretty quickly learn that the entire NFT slash Web3 space singularly operates on Twitter. Obviously, yes, there are other platforms. There's people on TikTok. We make content on TikTok, on YouTube, on Instagram, everywhere, right? But Twitter is the single highest impact platform. And then here's the key part. It's borderline impossible to get people to leave Twitter. People didn't know that we had a YouTube for a full calendar year and it had 1.8 million views on it. People still don't know. There's audience members in the crowd right now that it's it's news to them that we have YouTube. And and it's so... um, the, the market is so natively focused on Twitter that like when I post job postings, I would never dare have somebody click and go somewhere else or have to do anything. I literally post the whole thing in a thread on Twitter with graphics. So I think that that, that part that you just brought up that is absolutely brilliant for the Web3 space. If you're trying to make something that will be consumed by the Web3 space, and I'm sure you guys are looking for it to be a crossover hit and be mainstream and not only be consumed by the Web3 space, but a lot of times with these blockchain, I mean, every time with these blockchain games, it starts with the Web3 space. So I think you absolutely nailed it with that, making it natively functional within Twitter because that's where the space is. So I, I think that's a slam dunk. Nick, you have your hand raised. What's going on? Um, I was just wondering when uh, this game will be available for play and do you need the NFT in order to play it? So the game will be available as early as next week, but certainly by the end of the month. So we haven't announced the date. We're fixing some bugs, adding a few more features, but um, we're doing our best to actually get it out sometime next week. Um, You do not need an NFT to play, which I think is really important and a little bit different than most uh, Web3 games you see. If you look at most Web3 games, you need an NFT to play, which, of course, like makes the floor price go up. But I don't think that's a long term solution to actually breaking through the glass ceiling to actually reach real gamers and grow your audience. You know, if you look at kind of Axie and the first generation of games. It's a lot of friction, especially for new players who don't know crypto, who don't know NFTs. You know, you got to set up Coinbase or some equivalent, link your bank account, buy ETH, transfer it to MetaMask, buy the native token. And usually in most of these games, the NFTs are stat based. So some are better performing in the game than others. So that sort of creates this player imbalance where the richest players are the best players. Um, whereas, you know, our view is these games should just be free to play, you know, especially on mobile. Like those are the games that can reach the widest audiences. And, you know, in our case, you just use like base character skins that are non NFTs to enter the game. You can play, but then you start to see, oh, there's players with really cool skins. These are NFTs. Okay. What's an NFT? Or maybe you don't even really know what that is. You're playing for three weeks. You're having a great time. And all of a sudden you're atop the leaderboard or you win a tournament and then you get a notification. Hey, you've earned the right to mint this character as an NFT. Here's what a wallet is. So kind of making people go through that friction once they have something of value that they can now own is, is, in our view, is the better way to onboard people. And for us, this is all about, yes, getting the buy-in of the NFT community first, going bottoms up, but also being able to go top down and just like market our game to 18 to 35 year olds on TikTok, you know, and just get a lot of people playing Pong Legends, which is, like I said, beer pong meets Mortal Kombat in this kind of clash style game. So really, it's about that. I think more than anything is like, can we open up this huge funnel and bring people in? And, you know, I know we all feel a little bit differently today about Top Shot, but what they were able to do early on by just saying, like, own a moment and not 
talking about the technology as much to people who didn't know. I think that's really powerful or like what we see, I think Blau's trying to do with Royal and how he kind of markets that project. It's all about own your music and just like give people the value prop, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's an awesome structure and, and all this gaming stuff is shaking out. I mean, earlier in the show, we talked about Gabe Laid and it, it sounds like, you know, you guys have a, a, a really kind of articulate perspective on it as well. Um, when we talk about the business, uh, I'm really, really impressed by the investors. And and I'm also impre- impressed by the organizational structure and also the backgrounds of, of you, Ryan. And also we have Armando on stage. I remember from last time, I was blown away by just Armando's career trajectory. Armando, if I if I remember correctly, you you have a gaming background, then you got into VR, then you got into blockchain. I was, I was struggling to think of a stronger background Background to be building a Web three gaming business. Am I am I right about that? That you worked in all three of those fields. So I went from visual effects um, to VR and gaming to blockchain. Um, but honestly, our team is what's truly amazing. If you look at the people on our team, like our lead game designer, um, designed games in the Web two space that you know generated over five hundred million dollars, for example, at previous jobs. Um, you know th- that type of thing. Our, our uh, VP of product, worked at EA, et cetera, et cetera. Ryan, you can help me name some other things. But um, we really have tried our best to build an actual company, building actual products that happen to use things like blockchains and NFTs and really like the way they're meant to be used, hopefully. Yeah, it sounds but like thank it. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I know that the lead uh, in one of your rounds, I believe it was the, the Series A, the lead in your Series A was digital. Uh, and obviously, digital is run uh, largely by our, you know, NFT space's very own Oh Shiny. Um, you know, any other insight you can give people on like some of the, the names that have invested in Artie? Yeah, sure. I guess this is the the shameless name dropping, but um, definitely some people you all know, like Fuck Render, Andrew Wang, Bobby and Ben Hundreds, um, Andy from Fractional, I guess now called Tessera. So those are some of the, you know, the Winklevoss twins, Barry Silbert, who runs Digital Currency Group. Um, so those are kind of like the Web3 folks. Then we have some interesting people like Chad Hurley from YouTube, who founded YouTube, Mark Pincus, who founded Zynga, Kevin Durant, Naomi Osaka, um, you know, Warner Music, uh, Harris Blitzer, they own the Sixers, um, the chief product officer of Roblox, and Kevin Mayer, who started Disney Plus and was the CEO of TikTok and famously resigned uh, during the Trump administration when they were going after TikTok. So that's kind of our core group of people. And then certainly Digital and Oshani, they're our lead investor. So they've made a lot of really great bets um, in the Web3 space over the last year or so. And we're excited about their fun too. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome to hear, man. That, that's like the who's who of who you'd want investing in your business. Signal has her hand raised. Signal, do you have a question for the RD team? Yeah. Um, first of all, that in, uh, investor list is super impressive. Uh, you managed to get some great names. I was going to ask, um, for people who are more casual players, sort of what kind of level is um, the game and how much time? So like if you're on Twitter and you're scrolling, how much time would you say you'd invest in playing a game to therefore go on and win tournaments? Yeah, and I just want to say, Armando, if you want to chime in, Armando's not feeling as well today, so he kind of told me to answer most of the questions, but Armando, feel free to interrupt me and answer any of these. Um, So yeah, you're scrolling through, you click a link. Um, If you guys remember Clash of Clans or other Clash-style games like Golf Clash or Tennis Clash, these are just like quick play games with matches where you play other people live, and we have matchmaking, and then you kind of move up the leaderboard 
or you move down. So you might play one game, five to seven minutes every other day or so. You might play for half an hour, play five, five or more games. Some people play for hours. So I think it's meant to just be something you can play for fun. Um, you know, also when we get into our beta in Q1 and Q2, we're going to have private tournaments, hopefully, where you can set tournaments with your friends, send a link out. So, you know, imagine you're like, not into nfts but you're in college with your friends or something you want to like basically hang out on a tuesday night when you're supposed to be doing some homework and play beer pong like kind of remotely with your friends you can just do that and have 20 of your friends playing i think eventually we'll have sort of that chat feature um so just trying to make it like a really fun social experience and then you know obviously because it's all purely web you can play cross-platform in a way so you know someone might discover the game on tiktok and kind of live there in that corner of the community follow the game there others might be in discord or on instagram so it's kind of a cool idea that the game sort of lives amorphously across all these channels and you know if you look at kind of instant games today made by facebook or snap they just live on that one platform they're not meant to be played or shared in fact they just want to keep you in their walls so the idea of like really having these shareable links i think is the powerful thing and then through nfts if you own your game assets you're more likely to rep the brand and you know want to you know see your um participation in the community you know be more meaningful so i think that's really what's interesting too is just keeping the game top of mind via the community incentivizing the community to participate make content spread the word you know stuff like that yeah i love that viral loop i mean it's similar to twitter spaces right it's like it's a frictionless way for people to consume content we could make this same show and drop it you we can make it in our discord or something record it and put it on a podcasting app no one's going to listen to it compared to the amount of people that that you know like actually even participate on twitter but listen on twitter uh in the background so like i was pointing out before i i think that that is like the single you know i just love that point like i think that that's such a, a smart way to operate is to have it available natively on platforms so that people don't have to leave the platform ladies and gentlemen reminder uh to retweet the tweet that's been at the top and follow today's sponsor Artie, uh at the Artyverse. i'm going to draw the winners uh while the Artie team is giving us uh, their next response to this question. So if I invite you to yeah. speak, it's because it's you won. Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, Pio, if you want to share that tweet I mentioned just so people can get a look at the gameplay footage and sort of how this works, we have this really cool video. I think it's the second tweet on my account and also on the Artie account. It's like a little, uh, looks like a little TV. If you pin that to the space, you'll be able to see kind of like how it works. You'll see someone scrolling through Twitter. It's actually me. Uh, scrolling through Twitter, I click a link, it pops up, the game starts, I'm in the game in a couple of seconds, and you you know, you know see basically beer pong. There you go. Well, I, I just uh, pinned that to the top. The second tweet is the one to retweet for the giveaway. I'm going to draw the winners in just a minute, and if I invite you to the stage, it means you won. I will verbally announce the winners too, but still, just take a look for an invite from me to come to the stage. Nick, do you have a question for Ryan or Armando? Yeah. is the uh, in In terms of the NFT side of things, um, what do you get for that? And is the best way to get access to that just to go on OpenSea and buy the uh, RDE season one? Yeah, so season one, we kind of dropped without any marketing just to our kind of 10, 15,000 people in Discord earlier this year, right before the bear market started, actually. So great timing on us. Um, so that we launched that. And then we're actually launching season two tomorrow, uh, which is a collab with an artist called Junkyard. He does this kind of 1930s rubber hose cartoon style, like black and white scary cartoons. So we partnered up with him and with a, a music producing duo called Take a Day Trip. They make a lot of music for 
Lil Nas X. They executive produced his last album. They make music for Kanye and Kid Cudi and Travis Scott. So they made all the music for season two. Um, you know, and these NFTs are basically primarily video assets, not not just images. So it's like an animated character in an immersive world with music. But you also get PFPs. You get the music file. You get the GLB 3D file, which is game engine ready and metaverse ready, as people say. Um, and you get gifts. So there's kind of this full package. And also we do generative lore and narrative traits, which are like really dynamic stories that can change based on sort of how you play the game. So, you know, it's kind of a really interesting package of stuff. And of course, commercial rights to all of that stuff, including the music. So season one is out um, and people are, you know, gearing up for season two, which is tomorrow. So our mint starts at about uh, noon for the private mint window, noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern. And the public window starts at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, so we're excited about that. And then, yeah, you can all play the game within the next week or so. Uh, load your wallet up and use your characters. Awesome info, Ryan. And yeah, that uh, that production team, they, they produced some huge songs for Lil Nas X, produced the Travis Scott Kid Cudi album as well. Uh, so really, really good credits there. So I've invited some people uh, to the stage. Ryan, you'll get a kick out of this. The first person on this drawing board of winners through this app is you. Uh, unfortunately, you can't win your own giveaway, buddy. Sorry about that. Um, but, Bummer. Uh, <laughs> Bummer. So we got A Zeus. I've invited you to the stage. We've got 29 cycles for the one time. I've invited all of you to the stage. Come on to the stage uh, to accept the giveaway. Uh, if you're listening, I'm just going to send you guys DMs if you're in the audience that you are winners uh, because we got some people that weren't in the audience that won, so they're not going to get a chance to win. You have to be in the audience to win. Um, you know, Ryan, what kind of closing thoughts can you give the audience? Uh, you know about Artie, about what you guys are building, about what could come next over the next three to six months? Yeah, look, we think it's kind of the the closing of chapter one. Like, you know, the way I've been talking about it recently is we all remember, you know, whether we were, you know, young or old for this, like kind of MP3s and Napster and LimeWire. Like, I feel like that's kind of what we just went through in the last year or so. And now we're looking to see like what the next step is. Like we all talked about mp3s until we didn't until there was itunes right then it was just music so i think for nfts and for what we're trying to do it's like how do we you know obviously support the communities that we're a part of but also reach more people so that we can you know help this thing get bigger you know so for us it's doing that through gaming making it frictionless letting you play right on social um and have just this sort of next-gen gaming experience so that's kind of what we're all about you know this first game you know is pretty crazy and interesting we'll make other games we're working on kind of a business casing for a second one we're also going to open up our tech to other game developers so that's that and then the last thing to mention is if you're in la we're doing a really cool event uh next thursday friday and saturday next door to supreme we're taking over space there we're doing a merch store and drop during the day where you can come in play our game off of a qr code if you don't know about us and then at night on the 27th we're doing a, a cool cocktail event so yeah if you're in the la area come by sort of streetwear row and uh come check out our pop-up all the West Coasters uh, pull up in L.A. next week. Sounds like some fun stuff. Uh, so we have one of our winners on stage. We have Azus. You've won today's giveaway. How do you feel, Azus? Oh my, oh, my God. I never win shit. I, I, I <laughs> think I'm unlucky, bro. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh wow. Well... You, you, I'd say you're pretty lucky for just like the sound that comes out of your body when you start speaking. That was pretty impressive stuff right there. Hey, Zeus, uh, what are you going to do with the winning? 
I'm I'm still gonna think about that right now, but like I'm still like, what the fuck? How can I be this lucky? Oh my god! Azus, <laughs> can you win every giveaway? Holy shit! This guy is hilarious. Um, but normally I would like stop engaging with the giveaway winner at this point, but I think I just want to continue. Nick, I don't know. Do you want to engage with Azus? <laughs> By the end, it sounded like he was crying over the winnings. I mean, this is it's an emotional experience. I mean, to to win on this show. This is a sort of response, just FYI. If you end up winning, this is how you're supposed to respond. You're with <laughs> shock, surprise, you know, just, um, but, and we're, we're glad that you're the winner. It's like Oprah giving cars away. You're supposed to cry, right? <laughs> yes. Hey, Zeus, you're fucking rich now. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I was trying to get him to talk. Um, sorry, I'm you just got a house and a car and a <laughs> private plane. <laughs> sorry, I'm just having fun, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, look, uh, shout out to Ryan. Shout out to Armando. Shout out to Bryson, who couldn't join. One of the brand ambassadors from Artie. Uh, he's been on the show a bunch of times. Uh, really good guy. You know, signed to Vayner Sports. One of the key blockchain gaming ambassadors. Um, yeah, th thanks so much for joining us for a second time, guys. Uh, last thoughts on Artie. You know, where should people go to check out Artie? Well, check us out on Twitter at the Artieverse, which we're trying to get that Artie handle soon, but the Artieverse and then Artie.com. And then also wanted to mention we're doing some cool collabs with K Money. We dropped a really cool video he made yesterday. It's probably like 10 spots down on our uh, Twitter. He did like a dramatic uh, kind of reenactment with his therapist about how Artie changed his life. So uh, check that out. It's pretty hilarious. And, uh, you know, between uh, him and Bryson, we're making some really cool content. Awesome. Well, incredible. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed learning about Artie. Follow the Twitter account. Check out the app, uh, the platform and check out the NFT collections. This is a song produced by the team that is making some records for Artie right now. Uh, we will see you next time, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining.